Welcome guys to episode six of Architects of the Future, the show for people who are interested in living a more purposeful, more impactful, more meaningful life where they can take their passions, their ideas, their beliefs and turn them into profits. Because we live in a day and age, ladies and gentlemen, where technology is the great equalizer, where we have all the tools at our disposition to be able to live any kind of life we want. It's only down to our own focus and commitment to our own uh, wonderful life that we want to design. Wouldn't you agree, Mirel? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, um, I did not realize this, guys, until I actually started looking more into Mirel's work because we know each other personally. And I'm going to share that story with you. It's a beautiful story, actually, uh, as we always do in this format. But what I realized while researching more about Mirel is, as some of you might know up until now, but Mirel has his own show. It's a radio show on radio station RFI, Radio France uh, in Romania. International. International in Romania. And his show is actually called I Come From the Future. Future. So it's actually a show on uh, looking at technology trends and how they're affecting our lives and our business, which is kind of very similar to Architects of the Future. Another coincidence, isn't it? I wouldn't say a coincidence. I think uh, we just crossed each other in what we are doing. And it's not just um, a random fact. Well, Mirel, we're, I'm going to share with the audience. I'm very open with my audience. And we're going to share the fact that me and you probably do not really believe in coincidences that much, do we? No. No. Okay, so I, this is that kind of an audience, and uh, and hey guys, you know the format up until now, so welcome to another episode, episode 6. In today's episode, we have none other than Mirel Bran, a distinguished journalist whose career spans over 25 years working with some of the major publications. I'm just going to list out a couple of the publications that you've worked with, but you've worked with Le Monde, Le Point, The Guardian... Uh, the Letzberger Land, which is, I think... Letzberger Land in Luxembourg, in yes. In Luxembourg, right? And uh, Enterprise Romand, France 24, Arte, and also he has his own radio show at uh, RFI Romania, where for the last five years, I noted, you were actually running the show in the nest of coaches, right? Yes, uh, it was inspired nest. by that book, Fly Over Cuckoo Nest, and uh, we intended to make a show about coaching and personal development and we intended to to make people think we are a bit crazy so uh, we chose this title for the the show fly over a cuckoo nest nest and it's uh, it was very nice well uh, that would explain why you had me on as a guest in your show if you wanted to tell people that you or, or show the world that we're a little bit crazy hey <laughs> Uh, you know, this is something I share with my audience, but you know, you gotta be a little bit gone. You gotta be a little bit crazy uh, for you to be able to follow your path in this kind of a society where we're practically bred, trained in classrooms and throughout our lives to follow a mechanical kind of socialized uh, way of being. So it's good to be crazy in my book, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I think each of us, we have our own story about ourselves, about the others, about the world we are living in, about our job, or what we are doing, and so on. And this is a story we are living every day. And being a, bit, a little bit crazy means uh, being able to listen to this uh, inside voice, which is telling me if you are really in your story or in the story the others made for you. Yeah. Uh, I hope I made myself understood. Uh, it, Very well. It's, it, it's not so complicated. In fact, you're just listening to this voice. And for list for in order to listen to this inside voice, I think you need from 
time to time to be just a little bit crazy, just to be crazy enough to follow this inside voice and to be sure that you are in your own story, not in the story that people tell you about yourself. And society makes up for you. Hey, well, guys, this is just a little preview of the discussion we're about to have. And uh, I just want to give a little shout out to Mihaela Ivan, who's joined, and uh, Razvan Vasiloyu, who's been on the show and who knows exactly what we're talking about in terms of having to be a little bit crazy to follow your own path. Uh, Razvan is uh, someone that I think you would love to meet also, Mirel. So, uh, guys, as the show in the format goes, I want to introduce Mirel through uh, the way I met him. So I want to give you guys a little bit of a backstory of how me and Mirel met each other and what we've done together and I'm hoping to set up the scene for you guys because it's going to be another epic interview at Architects of the Future and I'm very very excited to have Mirel on it. Is that okay Mirel if I just gave people a little bit of a backstory about how you met? Go on, go on, it's just life. (laughs) So I I never tell my guests the actual backstory I'm going to share, just little hints of it because I want it to be fresh for them too. So here goes Mirel, all right? And by the way, I'm, I'm telling the story to, uh, to a professional storyteller and a coach who helps people tell their own story. So I'm going to be looking for a little bit of a feedback afterwards as well, Mirel, in private, okay, not to go over the interview. So, guys, I met Mirel, it must have been about um, around two, two and a half years ago. And it was in a very interesting period in my life because at that point I was going through what I could only describe as the dark night of the soul. What I mean by this, because I did some research on this, right? Prior to that, I had just gone through a divorce, my business practically collapsed, and here's the funny thing, I could not have been happier. Why? Because that was one of the moments where I finally woke up to understand and to start to listen to that little voice that Mirel was talking about earlier, your own authentic voice. And my own authentic voice told me that my life the way it was, was a construct of things that I thought I wanted because... I had been trained by society, parents, friends, all those things to think that I wanted those things. And as a result, I ended up making wrong choices. And that led me to a place which caused a lot of pain and suffering for myself and for people around me, right? You know, look at on the other hand, my my ex-wife also, I'm sure, went through uh, not so pleasant times with me. Uh, But that's why it was such a joyous moment because it was the time when I finally started listening to my own voice, finally got in touch with my intuition, and I knew I was on the right path. And for about a year, a year and a half, I don't know why it works this particular way. And we'll cover it in maybe in this conversation, Mirel. So keep a note on this. But I had this like period of about a year, a year and a half where things just flew. Like they just flowed basically. Like, you know, the right circumstances, the right people, the right ideas, the right notions, the right events would just come into my life with absolute ease. And I had this beautiful, let's say, period where every single day literally felt like a gift from God. Like God literally painted that moment for me in that particular time, place, just for me, okay? And I had all these crazy, let's say, synchronicities happen. And during that period, I would have said I was, I don't know, it must have been one of my happiest periods in my life. But what happened shortly after was, for some reason, you know, I could not tell whatsoever. It all just stopped. It's like... You know, the rug was pulled from under me, the carpet was pulled from underneath my legs, and for some reason, I, I lost that connection, right? And I, and you know, losing, coming from such highs to suddenly feeling completely alienated, isolated, and also realizing because of the contrast of being in those highs and the life I had before that I was kind of in a plateau right now, I was more sensitive to that as well. And, you know, that kind of sent me on this 
path, this rabbit hole where I was looking for answers. I was trying to figure out why had this happened to me? Why had I lost this connection to my intuition, to my inner voice? And uh, I was going through this process of very, very deep healing. Now, I'm truly grateful for that process just as much, okay? Because that's what this whole process taught me is that, you know, nothing in life is permanent, that each phase is like a season, you know, in life, like the seasons, you know, the summer brings the heat, the warmth, it provides sunshine for the crops so that the crops can actually photosynthesize and grow. But the summer would not be as sweet without the contrast of the winter. And the winter, you know, brings not only the, the cold weather, which, you know, creates this environment for you to kind of be more self-reflective, but in terms of the crops analogy, if you don't have that frost of ice over the germinating seeds, if you don't have that really, really cold snow blanket over the germinating seeds, then they will not actually grow in the right way and we will not have a proper harvest. So as a beautiful analogy to life, every season is important. So I was kind of like in that, in that winter of my life, so to speak. And, um, and it felt really, really lonely, really, really isolated. And I was looking for answers and, you know, uh, when you are kind of attuned to your own intuition, sometimes the answers that you seek kind of land in your lap. But as Mirel rightly said, you gotta, you gotta know how to listen. That's the secret here because that voice, it's kind of more like a whisper rather than a big scream. So you gotta look out for the clues. And it, as it so happens, in that period of my life, I kept hearing this, this, this thing like uh, the, some people were suggesting basically about something called constellatia familiara or family constellations in english okay and i heard it once and i kind of like you know okay sounds interesting but i'm getting i got my own things going on and then some other events in my life happened which you know kind of again brought me to my knees and and you know it was a really hard time and again i heard that you know uh invitation, so to speak, to family constellations. So the second time around, I listened. I said, okay, well, if it's coming to me around now in this moment, then I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go find out what it's about. Now, I go to this family constellation gathering by a lady, led by a lady called Mihaela Barbu. Mihaela Barbu, if you're Elena, lucky. Elena Barbu. Elena Barbu, yeah. Elena Barbu, who is a magnificent, beautiful soul. Wouldn't you agree, Mirel? Great woman. A wonderful woman. Uh, just to understand like the magnitude and, uh, and beauty of this woman, as soon as I walked into the hotel where the, this, you know, family constellation, which I'm going to explain what it is in a second was held, you know, uh, Elena was there. She kind of knew who I was because I was invited by one of the group members and she just came up to me and held my hands and looked really, really deep into my soul. And Elena can do that. She just looks you right in the soul and you just see these beautiful, compassionate eyes filled with, with love and, and space and acceptance of who you are. And she just said, it's going to be fine. And even when she said that, you know, I just, I, I was fighting to hold back the tears. I was so, you know, emotional about that just little encounter. And I was thinking to myself, oh my God, what's going to happen next? So I went inside and just so you understand how family constellations work, but family constellations is basically a... It's a psychotherapeutic branch, right? A branch of psychotherapy or psychoanalysis, right? And uh, it was uh, invented or discovered, so to speak, by a guy called Bert Hellinger. And it's kind of a, um, an offshoot or, um, um, let's say, a historic lineage from Jungian theories. Jungian theories about how the soul and the psyche is made up. And uh, what it stipulates is that uh, as part of the soul... There is a wider soul, like the fa your family of soul. That's why it's called 
family constellations. And what it says is you can do individual healing work on your on your life currently, on your relationships, on all the things that you believe are the causes of your pain and suffering and trauma right now. But there is another layer of things going on that if you do not look at that, if you do not have a tool to solve that, you will constantly, let's say, be in suffering in those particular areas and you won't be able to have a happy and fulfilled life. And that is the wider, let's say, soul, which uh, which is made up of your family soul. Now, in this process, right, as soon as I walked in, I saw that there was a very, very big circle, 40 people or so. And the very first thing that people started doing is we sat down all together and Mirel was there, I believe. Uh, we may, I don't know if I met in our first one or we met in further ones down, uh, further family constellations. And the first thing I noticed was that people were bringing out boxes of tissues. And I was like, okay, what, what are the tissues for? You know, napkins, Mirel, you know, cervecele. And they were putting them around and then they were kind of looking at me and smiling. I'm like, okay, what's going to happen here? And, um, and um, the very first thing they do is they, they, I mean, different constellations do it differently, but they do a, a lucky draw. They have a hat or a bowl and the the facilitator elena barbo in this case she asks okay who wants to have their reading today okay who wants to be facilitated who wants to have their soul reading basically today and you can you know volunteer your name but it's only by chance or so they say and it always starts every single group starts by saying you know nothing actually is by chance everyone in that group there is there for a specific reason so i'm going to get into that in a second so i write down my name and I put it in a pot of maybe 10, 12, 15 other people, right? Out of 30, 40 people in the group. And for some reason, I had this feeling like I am going to be called first. I know I'm going to be called first, okay? So they do the draw. And actually, a girl gets called first. And how the process works, not me, right? So this girl gets up and sits next to Elena at the head of the circle. And Elena, the facilitator of uh, Family Constellations, asks, so what would you like for your soul? What does your soul need right now in order to progress? And um, the answer that this girl gave, let's say did not give Elena the feeling like she was quite ready, okay? So she said, okay, all right, you're sitting down. And of course, what happened? I was called next. So as I knew and I felt it would be the case, I was actually the first person in a group of 40 people. I've never seen the process before. It's my very, very first reading. Mirel is laughing because he knows how, how emotional. I know how you feel. <laughs> yeah. We can share your story about your, your first consolation. I would love to know about that. But um, So I won't get into too many details because I'll, I'll leave that for, for another podcast. And if you're interested, by the way, drop a message right now. Drop a comment if you want to hear more about family constellations. And it's a very fascinating process. But all I'll say is the following, which is, you know, the process of family constellation is all about healing your, your, your family and descendants, let's say, um, actions and connection to your own current soul. It kind of says that there's like a residue that your soul is kind of broken up into little pieces because it has an affiliation to relatives which you might not even knew or I've heard of actually personally. And what it actually says is that until you actually recognize these relatives, these could be, for example, uh, abortions. It could be an old aunt that you've never really actually met or experienced. But for some reason, you know, your let's say if you want to talk about it in loose biological terms, but the DNA and the trauma that's passed down in DNA, and there's a body of work which talks about how trauma can be passed around DNA. 
is kind of passed along to you and you're living this life which until you realize that you have, let's say, these affiliations, these blockages in your soul, until you recognize them, you can't move forward. And one of the key theories around that is that, you know, children, especially, let's say, men, try to be the husband that their father was not to their mother and women try to be the wives that their mother was not to their husband. And this is where we get entangled because as the theory talks about, life flows from above to below and until you can accept, let's say, the gifts of your parents and leave behind what's not for you, this is the key thing and part of the process of, of family consolation, you can never truly be healed. So I'm just going to give a little uh, uh, a little quick description, but let's say that when they started reading my soul and, and, and all that, right, what happens is all the people in the circle form a living field, they call it. Like, they call it literally the field, right, Mirel? What do they call it in Romanian? Exactly. The field, exactly. They call it the field. Like in, uh, in physics, like in uh, mathematics, if you wish, it's a kind of a field, yes. And, um, and um, well, I'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, a bit later, but a living field is kind of formed. And this is where also Mirel, what he said earlier, really matters, which is the people who become actors in your own, let's say, your story of your soul, right? They're called upon, like the, the facilitator says to you, okay, who would you like to play your mother? Who would you like to play your father? Who would you like to play your wife? Who would you like to play your aunt? Who would you like to... And the facilitator's job is to keep bringing people into the circle until the field is complete, until she senses that these are all the missing puzzles of your soul. And what happens is really, really fascinating, but you're kind of moved by this invisible force. Literally, right, what they tell you is just kind of tune in and just go with the flow, right? And they say that as in, oh, okay, go with the flow. And you think that it's that metaphor, go with the flow. But literally, when you're in that circle, you literally feel things like you literally feel compelled to move towards a person who might be your mother, your father, your, your ex or whatever, you know? And so you're compelled through this invisible force to make these movements. And these movements are then read by the facilitator, which then interprets your basically your soul. And I'm, I'm not going to get into too much details. And I don't mind sharing this, but I want to get into your story, Mirel. But in my particular case, it was really terrifying because literally there were about 20 people involved in my in my story. I was crying because I couldn't take, you know, what I was seeing in front of my face because it was so emotional and loads of people were also crying. It was really, really powerful, let's say, as an experience. And then at the end of that, the facilitator provides this very healing process where you kneel down to your ancestors, to your father, their father before their father. This is part of the healing process where on a soul level, you accept and you see, which is a very, very beautiful and important concept that I want to touch upon, Mirel, which is just the fact that you see and you recognize someone is kind of like a, a gift from the soul. It's kind of like um, well, the reason we're kind of here, to be seen, to be heard. And that's why creativity is also very important because you get to you know, express the truth about yourself and be seen and be heard. So being seen and being heard and, and recognizing all the members of your family that make up your, your family constellation, right, is part of that healing process. And this is basically how me and Mirel met, okay? And why I wanted to share this story with in you In the is, field. <laughs> yes, we met in that field. And why I wanted to share this with you guys is the following. One thing I respect about Mirel and what I love about him, and this is something that you can more or less see or sense when you meet him straight away, which is he seems to be kind of like 
vibing on a different frequency. What I mean by that is he seems to be guided by different sets of values and, and, and that feel that we talked about. So I could tell that he's someone who's very, very in tune with his intuition and it speaks. I mean, the results speak for themselves. That's why he has all that creative output. And what I wanted to share that story is because one of the topics I want to be touching a lot upon today, Miguel, and, and, I'm, and I'm hoping I did it justice by explaining the story, is how people can actually get more in tune with that and the work that's required on the inside for you to be able to express your art. Because one of my things that I've come to realize is that art is not something created, although that's also sometimes part of the process, but it's usually something that's seen when you remove yourself from the process. When you get out the way, that's when you can start to see the truth. And that perspective, that unique perspective is what artists tend to capture, so that's my introduction about Mirel. That's what I'd love to share uh, with you guys, the audience. Uh, I know it's always a long introduction, but I want to do it justice. And, and I hope you enjoy that introduction, Mirel. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I enjoyed it a lot uh, because uh, I, remember, I remember the first time I went to the familiar constellations. Uh, I, I knew Elena Barbo. Uh, it was, she's uh, one of my friends, but I haven't seen her at that time for about 20 years. And for, when I went there for the fun, I, I just listened to you, uh, telling the story of, uh, the familiar constellations. And I, I can imagine that people who never tried this kind of, uh, of therapy, let's say, uh, they, it's very it's really hard to understand uh, uh, if you talk about this uh, people might think you are a little bit woo you know because it's so 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 different of what we are used to yeah, to see it's totally totally different and i would recommend I, I, everyone to try it yeah yeah i remember first time when i when i saw all these people in the circle and the people going in the circle in the field and doing things I, I, I swear, I told myself, who are these crazy people? What am I doing here? Uh, I, 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 was, I, I was shocked. Uh, and then, uh, little by little, I mean, I, somebody called me in the field. I represented, I think, uh, his grandfather. And he, he told uh, that he felt some kind of, he was blocked. Yeah. And I, I just felt my body blocked in the field. I mean, I was there. I was standing there uh, doing nothing, and I just felt that I could I couldn't do a, a move. A, 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 I couldn't move. Yeah. And uh, I just told myself, well, I'll I'll go with the flow. I'll I'll see what's happening. And then one lady came to me. She hugged me, and uh, um, it seems it was a love story in in their in their life, and it was a complicated story. But it, 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 I was shocked again to see that it worked. I I felt like being liberated. How could I say? I I, I felt so free, free. Uh, well, I, I had my crisis as well at that time. I, I had a very good friend in France, in Paris, and he was like my brother, and he died five years ago. And when he died, I, I, I was 50 years old, and I just realized that uh, someday I will die as well as everybody else. And uh, I just... I just felt that I had things to do. I mean, 
I, I was working for a very important newspaper. I still work for Le Monde and other media. You know, I, I enjoyed my profession, professional life, uh, but something was wrong. I mean, I felt like something was missing. And I think, I think this, this voice, this in, from inside, told me that I have to do something. So it was a crisis. I divorced. I, uh, I left everything behind. I, I lived like a monk for a year, almost a year. I tried everything. It sounds uh, so much like my story. It's funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, I was really lost. And, uh, uh, and in this process of uh, familiar constellations, I, 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 I found again myself. I connected again with myself and I realized what I intended to do. I, I, I just found the path I wanted to go to. And, uh, and it's not, uh, it's, uh, it's not a coincidence, in fact, because there in the familiar constellations, I, I met the, the woman I'm living with now and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a love story, you know, <laughs> just a love story. And, uh, I was so again shocked about how simple life could be if you just listen to this inside voice. I think it's kind of um, uh, you know basically I'm a writer. I'm I'm living uh, by writing, uh, and I'm in love with the words. And each time I'm 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 uh, I'm using a word, I'm I'm going in in the root of the word, in the Proto-Indo-European root of the word to understand what was talking about, what we are talking about. And I think we, we are kind of, um, um, our life is kind of, a, uh, it's, it, our life symbolizes something which is much greater than what we think about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think everybody can feel from time to time in, in its life, it, 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 there are moments you feel you are greater than you think you are. So what, what does it mean? It means that you are kind of a, your life is symbolizing something greater. And I, I want to see what this word symbol is meaning. And I went into ancient Greek and you, I found a sim uh, and balain. Balain is the verb. Sim, it's a preposition. It, uh, it, it means um, uh, to be with, with, to be with a connection, with something. And uh, 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 bolon, it's it's from the uh, verb balain, and balain it's a verb. Um, imagine the Greek in ancient Greece; uh, they uh, they went fishing because they need to, to <laughs> they need to eat. So they go they went fishing during the night. Why? Because because they knew exactly where the fish uh, was in the water. Uh, and in order to find the, the, the place where the fish is, they didn't look the water, they looked the stars. Uh -huh. And they were looking on the sky, some uh, arrangements of the stars, and they knew exactly that at that point on the sky, uh, projected on, on the water, they will find the fish. Wow. And this is, uh, balain is when you, you throw, I don't know the word in English, you know, you throw that thing to catch the fish. The you know? net, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, the net. You, you, you throw the net, you catch the fish. 
but they throw the net exactly at the place where the stars tell them to tell them to to do to, to fish. Wow! And this it. is this is in Greek in ancient Greek it's uh, it's balain. This is the verb, and bolon it's uh, it's uh, the act of doing that, the act of fishing the, that way, and symbolon symbol it's it means that there is a connection between the stars, the sky, and the water, and the, the, the earth, the, the, the place where you are. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So what does it mean, symbol? Symbol meaning, it means that there is something greater in you that is projected from the sky, from something greater than you. Mm -hmm. and, and this is the mission of your life, <laughs> to find this connection. It's, uh, it's so simple. It's, uh, well, you it's know, uh, this show is very much about, um, you know, inspiring and hoping to inspire people to, you know, look for their meaning, to consolidate their meaning and, and, uh, and different ways to express the meaning of their lives. And, I, and I'm a big believer in what you just said. So I'm, I'm, re I'm really glad that you brought it up and that you also expressed it in that way because it's just another, another beautiful way of saying the same thing, which is what I love about uh, the human existence. And, and every time we meet people like, you and, and in general with the people that we come across in their life, we get reminded kind of of this, uh, this meaning and purpose, especially the people who are meant to be in your life at the right moment, the right time. That symbol that you said, that, you know, essence, that meeting point where you kind of realize that, you know, life is greater than yourself and that there is a path that you're meant to be following and that if you honor that, then only beautiful things happen. And this person that you just met is a reminder of that. I think, you know, that's a very beautiful thing. Yeah, uh, it, it's just uh, the whole story is in the world. It's. Uh, uh, I give another example. I, uh, I I talked about symbolon, and now you you change the preposition instead of saying sim, you say dia. Dia is a preposition in, in ancient Greek means through through something, uh -huh, uh -huh. and you can compose the the word diabolon. So, symbolon <laughs> is connecting with, with the higher self, if you yeah. wish. And diabolon is going through, it's, it's cutting this connection between you and your higher self. Mm -hmm. And diabolon, it means, uh, it means the, the devil. The devil, uh, in Greek, the, 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 diabolos, the, we say. Diabolos in, in, in Greek, in the diabolos in Romanian, uh, diabolos in, in French, devil in, uh, in English. And the, the, the devil, I, I'm, I'm not talking in religious terms. I, I'm just saying that diabolon, the, the, the devil, is cutting the connection between, between you and your higher self. And it's, uh, it's so simple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Mirel, for, for the audience also, uh, I mean, I'm, you did not always see life this way. But I, I think it's funny how you started your career very much exploring words but maybe it took you a while and I don't know what series of events for you to be able to see all these different meanings behind the words that you were always using and the profession that you had chosen. And I think it's a really nice moment for you maybe to, to share a little bit your story about how you got into journalism, what was life like back then and, and, uh, and you know what, what things came out of your career and what led you to this particular moment in time where I don't know also your progression in terms of the other work and the body of work that you've done. I know a lot basically that you were a journalist for over 20, 25 years and are a journalist for 20, 25 years. But I don't know at what point you started exploring other facets like your writing, your directing and all these other things. And I'm curious about that progression. I think the audience would be curious about your journey, basically. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your story about how you got started up until this point? 
Okay, I, I remember the Ceausescu's time. I, I was a student of the Faculty of uh, Philosophy. I was passionate by philosophy, and I intended to study the, the history of religions. But uh, studying the history of religions uh, during the communist uh, time, it, it was kind of a impossible, mission impossible. But I tried. I, I, I read a lot of books. I, I tried to find answers to my questions. It was really very hard to, to, to make it public at that time because uh, what I was doing, it was kind of forbidden. And uh, then Ceausescu was gone and I was 25 years old. I was in the streets all the time, manifesting uh, against the neo-communist regime and so on, Ion uh, Iliescu and uh, what happened in the 90s. And, and then I understood when the miners came to Bucharest in June 99, uh, they, they, the miners came to Bucharest and they just broke a manifestation. Uh, they just really beaten the people and it was very, very violent. And I, I realized that I, I spent 25 Five years in the, in the dictator in the, in a dictator in a dictatorship, and I was 25 years old, and I imagine that for another 25 years I wasn't able to to wait for something to change. So I intended to to go abroad, not to emigrate to 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 spend all my life in another country, but I wanted to go in another country and to to start something new, a new life, because I realized at that time uh, when. When I was in, during the communist regime, I was inside. I mean, like everybody else here. I mean, I thought this regime was, uh, uh, had no end. Uh, but when Ceausescu was gone and the, 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 the regime collapsed, I, I just, I just realized that I spent 25 years of my life in this kind of dictatorship, with this kind of absurd regime. And it, I felt very bad. I, would, I, I didn't feel bad when I was inside the communist regime. I feel bad when I, I became conscious about what I, what I, the time I, I just spent in this absurd regime. So I wanted to go abroad and I, I passed uh, an exam and um, I was selected to go to a school of journalism in France, in Lille, northern France. Uh, I spent two years in this school. The four, the the four five months in the beginning, I I was pretty sure I w will never end this school because it's a, it was a very a, a very tough school, very very tough school. Um, and I discovered the journalism, and it's it it was like a revelation because I. We used to work with words in my philosophy studies, in my history of religion studies, and so on. And, and then I, I discovered that with these words, I can tell story about everyday life of the people around us. And uh, it was it was really a passion. Uh, I, I, it's like a vocation. I mean, it's, it's, the journalist was in my was in my blood. So I, I, I spent years and years working in this area and I was really fascinated. I spent uh, about eight years in Paris. I made a PhD in science, information sciences um, because I like to study. I like, even now I read a lot of books. I, I like to study, discover new things. And then I came to Bucharest and continued to try to work as a journalist, but as a journalist, you know, you are in a routine. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I was working for newspapers. I was writing articles. 
and I felt like I was, you know, I, I, I needed something new to, in order to be creative. You need to, 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 to find other obstacles, if I can put it that way. The, I need something to, to, to provoke me, you know. So I, uh, I started to, do, to work for the radio, for the Swiss radio and the French radio. And then I switched to the television with France 24, Arte, the Swiss television. And then I switched to, uh, to documentary movies. Uh, I produced myself uh, free documentaries uh, with not very much, how could I say, in order to produce a, a documentary, you need about uh, 100,000 euros as a budget. Mm -hmm. uh, and I produce mice with about 15,000 15, euros because I did it everything myself. I shoot it, I edit it. And, and you, I won, you won some awards for some of your documentaries, I know. Yes, I, I had a lot of awards uh, in the United States, in Asia, in, in Japan, Latin America, in Japan. Oh. Yes, I was very proud of my, myself because... I, I, it was like reinventing the cinema for me. You know, it was just a personal adventure for me. And uh, I, I was glad uh, to be able to do the things that way because otherwise you, you do the things in the way the society is waiting for you to do these things. Because at that time I had a lot of friends in Paris and because they told me, but why don't you uh, get money to make a big movie with uh, hundreds of thousands of euros and so on. And I didn't want to do that because if you, if you receive this money, you have to do the film they want right. on the TV channels. Right. And I want to do my movies. So I made free documentary movies. I published freely books in Paris and uh, I was very, uh, how could I say, very, uh, I was connected with was with my my job. I, I mean, I was yes, as you said, in a creative. You you have to be creative. You have to be creative. Invent all the time new things, new things to to, to provoke yourself, and it worked. It worked until my until my best friend died, and I understood that I have to give time for my personal project, for myself, and uh, I spent years uh, reading books, uh, meeting new people, and now I think I can understand myself and the world on another level. And, and can I ask, I mean, in terms of a timeline, did you produce the documentaries before this major event that, you know, made you look at life differently? Yes. Or that came afterwards? This is before as well. So you were doing your yes. projects also before. They're self-funded, which I want to talk to you about in a second. That's the second part of the of this discussion because I think that's what's fascinating. And, and I want to give people permission not to wait. Exactly like your story, which I think it's a beautiful story, Midel, which is people should not wait to do the things that that inner voice is telling them to do, you know, that little project, to do it in your own authentic way, basically. So I want to touch upon that later. But from what I understand, <coughs> you were doing your own projects before, then this event happened, you know, your 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 friend passed away, and that made you relook at things, relook at life in a different way, right? That was life hitting you in the face and forcing you to look at some truths, basically. And, and after that, what kind of work has evolved since? I mean, just so we can get a sense of the timeline and, and how you're approaching your work differently. Well, at that time, I uh, made a, a school of, of coaching. I, I discovered the coach, the coaching, uh, um, and it was something new. I, how would I say? I'm, I'm a journalist on the field. I'm connected to the market. I'm, I'm living on that, uh, and 
I, I, I just uh, uh, I realized that there was a difference, a huge difference uh, between my point of view of my job as a journalist and the point of view of the guys uh, working at the desk in Paris. When you are on the desk, you only see your computer, your uh, the, the a, your agencies, press agencies, and you're just writing. Up, uh, you just phone people and you write and you phone, you write, and uh, you you are cut from the market. You are cut from the reality. You are cut from the the real world. And in the real world, I just saw the internet coming. Huh? It, it changed everything. Uh, I saw the new technologies coming, and I realized that all this will will change the the my, my job as a journalist. And I, I think I felt something like uh, I need to do something new. I need to, to do some something different from this. Uh, how would I say this? classic way of doing journalism mm -hmm. now it, it doesn't work anymore i don't i don't want to say that journalism is dead no mm -hmm. uh, but i think we we have to invent another economic model mm -hmm. in order to make it work well, now yeah. i think the future is in the blockchain there are a lot of projects in the in the new uh, media projects in the blockchain mm -hmm. and i think the young people are very oriented to to the technologies from the future and i i became really passionate about uh, about this i produced a show for radio france international in bucharest for about four years i think um as i told you fly uh, fly over uh, uh, a nest over the the coach's nest yeah <laughs> yeah the coach nest and uh, it worked i was very glad to do that but uh, then i changed this year uh, last year sorry last year i uh, I um, uh, changed this show with another one. Uh, we are coming from the future. And um, I tried to explain to my Romanian audience that uh, the technology is the future for, for this country. I am very confident in this country. I am very confident in the people uh, in Romania. And uh, I think this country has a, has a very, very interesting future because of this, uh, these people in these fields of the technology. Uh, Mirel, uh, I just want to highlight a couple of funny similarities, which, like I said, me and you don't believe in coincidences, but I am a philosophy major. Secondly, one thing <laughs> that I experienced also is that um, in my field that I was in advertising, I would describe advertising as broken, not dead, but broken, and also how... Uh, not necessarily that the model needs to change. The model works fine for what it is. But I think the output of that model on the environment, on society, is already having a visible toll. And I think we live in an era where we can choose a bit better what we end up putting out there in the world. But in order to do that, uh, I also believe a little bit like you that technology really is the solution. Because I believe that in today's day and age, and by the way, guys, uh, if you're interested... Uh, tomorrow, I'm actually going to be invited on on uh, on Mirel's show, which is all about discussing about technological trends for and their impact on businesses. And we're going to have a, a little discussion about that later in this interview about that. But uh, I actually, it will change the roles. I'll be the interviewer, and you'll be so, the. So tomorrow, the... you get to see Mirel interviewing me. By the way, of course, Mirel has. <laughs> 25 years of doing this, so I, I'm sure he's a, a lot more professional and experienced in that. But we're, we're, no, yeah, there, think we're very having well. some fun. No. Well, uh, my point is, is that, uh, you know, I also believe that in this day and age, and I'm going to 
save this a little bit for tomorrow's interview. I'm not going to reveal it all today because I want to leave that for you for tomorrow and for your audience. And then I'm going to share it with my audience later. But uh, I actually believe we're in kind of a, uh, a second renaissance or third one, depending on how you count the exactly. renaissances. Right. And I thought that you might agree with me, but I believe exactly. in, in this day and age, and I'll explain more about it uh, tomorrow, but we literally are in, in one of the most interesting times in history because literally there is no excuses, meaning everything that you need to set up a business, publish the business, market a business, all those things are now automated, are, are dirt cheap and are available through multiple different options and vendors, which means that it is literally dirt cheap for you to start your own brand, your own company, and uh, and uh, you don't even need to go find investors for that. And why that's significant, and why that's important for people like artists, people who work in advertising, people who work in journalism, anyone really in any creative field is, you now have a different option of where you get your revenue. And where you get your revenue, by the way, is also where you spend your time and the choices that you have with what you do with your time and the output of your work. So at this critical juncture, I would say, because it is a critical juncture, I don't necessarily believe in, in, you know, uh, in uh, a, a negative future for the world. Of course, there's a lot of negative things happening, but I'm always an optimist. I always believe that things correct themselves. And anyways, everything happens for a reason one way or another. But I, I do believe that in this critical juncture, you in your ability right now and the freedom of your choice to be able to earn money as a freelancer, to be able to market yourself properly, if you put in the time and focus to learn how to do that, you can solicit the kind of work that you really want to. And you can also set it up in such a way that it does not have to be paid on a time per hour basis, although that happens too. That's one of the economic models that you know I am very much trying to break in the advertising model, which is Stop charging only on a time per hour basis because that is the most important resource you have, your time. So either you pay very close attention about who you give your time to or you find a way to have a more scalable way of making money. And what that will afford you is freedom. And that freedom is actually the real uh, most important commodity, not even that it's a commodity, but the most important thing you can have. Why? Because that will allow you to spend that time to listen to your voice and create beauty, live a beautiful life, and actually create things that inspire people towards positive things or truthful things at least. It doesn't have to necessarily be positive because sometimes the truth is ugly, but the truth will always heal and will always set you free. So I believe very much in this and that's why I wanted to invite you onto the show, Murel, because I had a feeling that we were very much aligned on this uh, on these aspects. So thank you very much for pointing those things out. So Thank you. So, uh, Miral, I, I want to backtrack a little bit and focus on some aspects of what you do currently and, and about your career. And then I want to get a little bit into your process about these things. But first and foremost, you know, uh, we talked about journalism and how you think it's broken. And I, I'd like you to expand on that a little bit and what kind of models you think are, are, are available in today's day and age and why that's so important right now. Well, you know, when I started to, to, to do this job as a journalist in the 90s, at the beginning of the 90s, uh, the journalists were kind of uh, kings, you know. We, are, we were the kings of the information because we were the, the only ones able to have the information to sell it to somebody uh, in a newspaper or on a television or on, a, on the radio. But now everything changed with the Internet and, uh, and, uh, and uh, these things, they think. The phone you have in your pocket is not only a phone today, it's a computer. Uh, in, if we should uh, build a computer with this, the power of the phone today, 
in the in the 80s we should may have the surface of the uh, of france can you imagine that <laughs> yeah, yeah. a computer huge as a country yeah. in order to have this so no we have this computer in our pocket so uh, it means that we are about seven billion journalists in the world today because with a phone you can film you can make photos you can make text and you can send it on on the four corners of the world i mean it's instantly and from that moment everything changed so i i don't want to say that everybody is able to do a, a journalism as a, the quality of the job of as a journalist but we are in this world we are not anymore the kings of the information so we have to change the way we we build the business you cannot you cannot continue to to have a desk with 400 employees you cannot allow yourself anymore to do it because it's too expensive to print the the newspaper so you have to to put it on the internet but uh, well you know in france it's complicated because you have the syndicates you have a lot of structures it's a, it's a, it's really very complicated and takes a lot of time and i i, I don't have to, i spent 25 years uh, during the communist regime i won't spend another 25 years uh, waiting <laughs> for the others to to understand the world they are living in it's yeah, yeah. I, I don't have time for that so i i'm in now i'm doing my own my own projects and i'm 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 doing a living on, on this. I'm, I mean, I live by writing. I live by making my radio shows and so on. But I think you have to to have this. Uh, uh, how could I? Um, you know the word responsibility in English. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about words again. Responsibility is responsibility. It's mm -hmm. the ability to give a resp uh, to respond to to have to to have a reaction to something. Okay. And the question is to respond to what? As I told you, uh, our life is, is much greater than what we think about it. So we need to respond to this call of ourselves. We, are, we came into this world not to have uh, free cars and free apartments and uh, a plane and I don't know what. We came here with something much greater than that. And I think it's, it's just... You're, our mission, the mission of our life as an individual is to grow like this universe. We are a universe in like a, we are, a, our person is a universe. Okay. So like the universe, we need to grow. And when you have the, the tools of the technology of the, the, the technology of the future, which is here, now you can grow in in ways you 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 couldn't have imagined in in the nineties. Yeah. I mean, today you have everything you want to build your only business, to make your own newspaper if you want, to make your own media, to 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 tell your story and to to try to make a living on it. I mean, it it's it works. It works. In my case, it works. I I think it's it's not so complicated. But you have to believe in that. You have to do things in order to that to to. To, to to play to take place i mean uh, i i have a lot of clients as a coach you know people coming to me uh, and they don't really know what to do they are looking mm -hmm. for something to do they are looking for yep. a yep. better way to live and so on and and they are so constant uh, focused on the problem they don't see the solution anymore mm -hmm. and and, and um, 
I think if you if you if you don't really know what you want to do, who you are, you you can spend whole your the whole your uh, your whole life uh, searching for that. But you can start very simply with thinking about what you what you don't need to do every day because every day you are doing a lot of little things that you don't need to do that are not important for you. Yeah. And if you are not able to, to focus on what you want to be, focus on, on what you don't want to be. So you just give up everything in your life that you are not interested in. And you you create a space you you create a you, yeah you you have a, a free space where something else can happen. It's a, it's <laughs> you you can find all the things in a, in a lot of books, but I'm I'm telling from my experience. I did that and it worked. Now when I uh, I I tried to fix a meeting with a friend and uh, everybody asked me uh, tell me your agenda when are you free and I usually I say I'm free anytime. Um, <laughs> people say what? Because I really my uh, my my agenda is very is very free you know very white papers. Because I decided to to put in my agenda only the things that are important for me. And I don't want to put anything else. So I'm I'm free. I'm free to do anything I want. I'm free to see any anybody I want to anytime. It's you know it's, to, for many people it's very strange because people are stressed. There are a lot of meetings and they have to meet a lot of people to do a lot of things and so on, so on, so on. Yep. And they just forget who they are. They just forget what they want. <laughs> and now at the end of the day, they are not very happy. I want to highlight this for the audience. And, and uh, Mirel, before I go on, I'm just going to give a quick shout-out to some of the people who are watching us right now. We have Razvan Vasiloyu. Razvan, I hope you're enjoying today's interview. I'm sure you're going to be enjoying it because Razvan is a former guest on this show but also a philosophy major, and so is another guest that I had on this show. <coughs> Stan, basically, Stan Pavlov. He says, hey, crazy people. Stan was recently on the show also, uh, Mirel. He's also a former philosopher. So it's something about basically this particular format that attracts philosophers. <laughs> but uh, there you go. He says, we are a constellation of philosophers here. Yes, we certainly are, Stan. Lucy Bradley, hey, long time no see. Hope you're enjoying the show. Tatiana, Cyril, all the way from Philippines. Lucy Bradley from, uh, from the UK. Stan is uh, joining us from Bulgaria. Alexandro, uh, Billy, how are you doing? Billy, by the way, is a journalist for an EU uh, publication in uh, in Brussels, Mirel. So the two of you should uh, link up. And I'm pretty sure that uh, that uh, Billy, you know, should have been actually following the show. And I actually intend to have Billy as a guest as well. So, Billy, thanks for joining. Hey, Billy, you're a professional uh, 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 in asking questions. So go ahead, ask some, uh, some questions. And I'm sure me and Mirel would love to see your point of view and what you're curious about finding out more. Raul, all the way from Philippines. Daniel, Marius, Yonuts, Pleja. Uh, who else we have? We have Colin Lovering. Hey, Colin, how you doing? Colin, by the way, who refers to me as Colin number two, you're Colin number one. I give you that right. You've been here in Bucharest longer. But funny story is I've never met so many Collins in my life as when I came to Bucharest. Not even when I was living in England, I met so many Collins. But hey, yes, Colin number one, thank you for joining the show. And please do leave a comment. Guys, just as a little recap, if you're joining right now, we're talking about how to actually observe 
your own truth and how to express that, okay? Because as Mirel was just talking about, I'm going to recap some very important aspects that he shared about his story and about his journey, which is, you know, at one point in life that, you know, that, that agitation, that dissatisfaction becomes loud. And if you ignore it for long enough, then it will start to manifest itself, okay? Because life one way or another will come knocking on your door. That little voice that we're talking about with Mirel, which is your your guide trying to you know align you with what your path is, your higher self, that, that glorious version of yourself that you could be living basically every single day if you chose to listen to that and took the hard decisions to do that. That voice eventually ends up screaming and you know it manifests itself in things like depression, in exter- external events too, like accidents. It's weird how it happens usually, but every one seems to have this one event in life that, you know, kind of sh- sh- shakes them to their core because that's what happened to me. I got divorced. I had a heart condition. And, you know, it really made me reevaluate what I was doing in my life and what I wasn't really doing in my life and how, you know, I had started off with this ambition to live my life to the fullest and how following things according to way the way society tells us, according to the way our friends tell us, uh, you know, ended up leading a life or ended up me going and living a life where I wasn't fully satisfied, I wasn't fully fulfilled. And, you know, life eventually ends up knocking on your door and you will have something that actually forces you to wake up. And then there's a choice always in the matter, right? Do you do you sit and listen and take heed and start following your own voice? And this is kind of the story that Mirel has been sharing with us so far. His best friend passed away five years ago, woke him up for, you know, the life that he was living. And, you know, it wasn't as if you were necessarily living a life where you were void of expression, actually. You were still working as a journalist. You were still doing your own projects. But that still wasn't enough, actually, right? That voice demanded something more of you, basically, at that moment in time. And and what I just want to highlight to the audience is, you know, the beauty that happens if you do decide to follow your own intuition and your voice. Because somehow, I don't know how it works exactly, guys, but life actually supports you, right? You will be supported by life, Okay. Your friends will call you crazy for throwing away your career, for changing away your business, for throwing away or getting divorced or whatever it is that you have to do to get rid of those those things that Mirel talked about. What he said in his in his business is, you know, sometimes people come to him, they're lost, and what he says to them is, okay, you know, stop focusing on the problem. Just get rid of the things that no longer suit you. Get rid of all those things that feel heavy and create that space you need for yourself. And that's kind of, you know, part of the process and part of the journey of life. And, you know, becoming authentic and and following that voice, which we could call, in other words, integrity or intuition or whatever it is that you want to, whatever kind of name you want to give it. And I'm sure, Mirel, we can go into detail about the names and we'll talk about that a bit later. But, uh, you know, however you want to call it, when you start following that and you start shedding all those things that you know aren't true to yourself, amazing things tend to happen. And, you know, Mirel and myself and so many others have kind of experienced this. And it feels like it's crazy. It feels like it's scary. But if you do dare to follow this voice, you will never be let down. You will never be alone. You will never ever be you know lost and unsure about what to do next there will always be a point well if you know how to listen to that voice you know your life will really literally unfold in beauty and i'm not saying and promising like it's going to be some hollywood blockbuster but it will be beautiful and true according to you so i just wanted to share that with Mirel and for anyone that's joining in now and please guys if you have any questions about the process about Mirel's journey so far who's got a very interesting backstory kind of similar to mine and i'm sure many some of the listeners who are who are tuning in, please leave a comment, leave a question. So, Mirel, I just wanted to, to highlight that to the audience. Very beautiful story. I totally get also where you're coming from, that the world is changing. And also, I, you know, I'm, I'm in my world, right, coming from advertising, Mirel, um, 
some of the structures that I saw, which I thought are something that I'm very open about critiquing, uh, specifically around how there is little regard to the power and impact of advertising. And I think in journalism, it's not only the same, but maybe even tenfold, because you see so much these days about fake news, about uh, you know all these different things that are, are circulating the journalism industry as a whole. And I'm sure that you know you also sense that some of those things have to change. And I'm curious about your take about you know how would you see journalism evolving towards being that you know contributor in society like it was once, and also through maybe upholding you know better standards towards truth because I think journalism's lost that a little bit along the way. I mean, I'm speaking generically. You know, there's journalists and journalists, there's advertisers and advertisers. But as a whole, I think that people feel like they, the majority of the industry, or at least the ones that are most prevalent on social media, as a, a value-destroying proposition rather than a, a truth and a, and a, and a value-enhancing proposition as an industry. Would you agree? Yes, I agree. I think uh, uh, we hear every day now maybe thousands of, uh, of news every day uh, from political side, society, technology, everything you want. Um, it enters here, it's going out here, nothing uh, is, there is nothing inside. I mean, we, our problem today is not to get the information because we already have the information everywhere, on the internet, on the radio, every, everywhere. We, we are listening to it every day. The problem is to, 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 to be able to give a meaning to, to what you are hearing, to the information you are hearing or reading. What does it mean to give a meaning? Uh, giving a meaning means to, to, to feel a connection between the information you hear and your life. Because I can, I can tell to the people uh, what uh, a lot of discoveries in, in the technological fields. And the, many people will say, and so what? And they, and they are right. So what? what the, what's the impact to, into my life of all these technologies and all the information, the, this world in, in which we are in, inside? And, and I think that the, 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 the mission of the journalist in the future, already today, we can say, is not to give information to people because they, they already have it. it. The mission of the journalist is to, to create a frame uh, where the reader, the, the, the consumer, the audience would be able to give a meaning to the information they get elsewhere. I cannot, provi I cannot provide the information myself because it's already there. But I, I can do something more than giving information. I can build this frame in which uh, the other can understand, can give a meaning to, to the information. And I think this is, this is the job of the future as a journalist. Yeah, so it's more uh, curation and interpreting information. So, you know, too much information out there, uh, way too much noise. So the journalist, the journalist of the future, maybe you might call the responsible journalist, the one who is able to respond to the current situation, is one that will actually filter the, the bullshit from the truth and allow people to formulate their own opinions uh, in an objective way, right? Uh, right, and, and uh, you have to make an, uh, a big effort to, 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 to put in simple words very complex things. Because if you are talking about the technology, I'm, I'm doing this in my radio shows, um, uh, when you talk about technology, this is a very complex subject, story. 
and the 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 the, the how can I say the, the most important thing that I can do when I'm doing a, a radio show is to to try to put in simple words to simplify the complexity of this kind of information. This information is... i give you an example. Let's say uh, many people uh, uh, talk uh, about uh, the, techno uh, the blockchain technology. Blockchain is not kind of a magic word like the internet in the 90s. So every, everybody talks about blockchain, blockchain will change the world and so on. But what we're talking about, when we, when you talk about blockchain to somebody who has no idea about this technology, how do you tell this story to somebody who has no idea about it. This is the mission of a journalist. How can I uh, put in simple words this technology? And I, I, I'll give an example. I'm writing a book now. It will be published in uh, Romanian. Uh, and it will be launched in the, at the uh, Gaudamus uh, event in this, uh, this uh, autumn. What's the book called? Um, uh, the book uh, is called uh, I, I'm, I'm Coming from the Future. I am from the future. Huh? Okay. Well, this is, your fourth, uh, yes. this is your fourth book, by the way, guys. If you're interested, yes. you know, keep a lookout for his book, I Am from the Future. It's going to be published first in Romanian. Will you have it translated? First in Romanian and then uh, in English. Okay, yes. great, great. So, guys, yes. keep a lookout. Okay, yes. Yeah, you were saying as and, an example. Uh, yes, there is a chapter there about the black blockchain technology because it's about technology, but also about mythology, about spirituality, spirituality about sciences. All this is connected, and um, uh, the first sentence, first sentence uh, from this chapter about the blockchain, it's something like this: uh, the blockchain has been is something invented by Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh -huh. And I'm sure that if I say it that way, the people will listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, blockchain technology future and Jesus Christ, what does it mean? I mean, it, it's a nonsense. Uh, and, and then I explain, because uh, uh, Jesus tell to the guys he was uh, with, the apostles, you know, uh, that he will be dead, and uh, but they don't want to be uh, w uh, worried about, because they, and he tell them something like this, uh, if two of you uh, are gathering together in my name, I'll be there with them. So Jesus is telling us that one plus one equal three, not two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, why? Because he's there in, in that gathering. And in mathematics, if you have two elements, A and B, and the relationship between A and B, you have a system, mm -hmm. a set, mm -hmm. okay? And the set has this, has this ability to be uh, an element of its own set. This is just mathematics. And if you understand that the, the, the value of a set, the value of a system is much more than the addition of these elements inside the set. Mm -hmm. And the question is, where is the value coming from? But the value is coming from the relationship between A and B, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, the what is the blockchain? The blockchain is it's, uh, this value created by the connection of at least two elements, two persons. Right. Okay? And if you understand that the value, that the relationship between two people is creating a value, 
you will understand why uh, Facebook is doing about 90 billion dollars on your on your back mm -hmm. uh, why Google is uh, doing about 170 billion dollars I think which is the pro, pro, pro PIB of Romania mm -hmm. uh, and and the people don't understand how how do they do they, this money they, they do this money because they create a, a place where people meet connect Right. Okay. And by connecting people, they create value mm -hmm. because the relationship between these people is the value of the system. And they, they found a way to, to extract the, the value uh, by financing it uh, from the system. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then they are doing the money. Well, the blockchain will, will, will create the value, but we return the value to the users, to the people who are building the relationship of the system. And that's, that's why it's the that's, Jesus Christ of, uh, of technology. Uh, yes, Jesus Christ invented it because he just revealed to us uh, 2,000 years ago that the relation, the relationship between two persons is a value, is more than the two persons. And and I I think this is an example of uh, uh, another way of telling the story of uh, something very complex like the blockchain. Blockchain is something complex; it's not uh, very easy to understand. Uh, but it's something that will change the uh, will change the world, and we need to 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 tell this story to to the people that are very tired. You know, when I was in Paris, I am working for Le Monde there at the desk. Um, I spent all my time at the desk, and in the evening I went to to a supermarket to buy something to eat uh, for the for the dinner. And I saw all these people in the queue, you know, people like me who who, who spend their uh, journey, their day, uh, in their doing their job, and in the evening they were queuing the to the supermarket to have uh, a dinner. Okay. So I, I, I just looked to these people and I told myself, I'm writing articles for these people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I have to write in a way for these people to, to read my article. But these people are already tired. They just want to eat something, maybe to, to watch a show on the television and just go sleep because tomorrow there is another day, another, the, the job and so on. And I realize that it's very, it's essential, it's vital to, to, to find a way to tell the story to people that don't have enough time, that are tired, that are not interested in many things. So this is our job, to make them, to discover to them all this um, magic about the technology, but in a way they can understand it. And it's, it's, not, it's not easy. You know... Um your what you just said brought forth a couple of ideas and i want to take them all in in turn but uh first and foremost uh i totally agree with you that this new era and i think it's something that i'd like to also use as a pretext to our uh to the final point of our conversation of our interview which is how can people basically take advantage of modern trends and to put into context, you know, what technology represents in this new era. And I think you're discussing about something that, uh, let's say, I believe is uh, what characterizes this current era. And uh, it was something that I talked about in, uh, in my TED Talk, which was that currently 
we're moving away from the information age, which is all about cold hierarchical structures, mass data, right? And producing more and more information, monitoring more and more information. And we're moving into the imagination age, where the value of the economy is no longer about information, how it's stored, how it's shared, and all those things. But that is something that is already done. It's a given. And the imagination age is, you know, how do we basically share ideas, uh, beliefs, and how do we transform all this information into meaningful stories? That's how I interpret this new era that we're about to go in. And the evidence to support that is, if you look at what social media is, if you look at all these platforms which allow for self-expression and which are democratizing, let's say, all these mediums which were once held in the hands of powerful you know, organizations, which of course they still are in terms of news outlets and cinema houses and all these let's say, uh, creators of content previously are now in the hands of individuals. So the imagination age is how do you dissect all those things and, and what's, what is actually going to be valued in society going forward is no longer what you said also, which is you know, um, trying to, let's say, add more information, trying to add more and review more things, add more things, dissect more things. But actually, how do you synthesize things? How do you, you know, make things a lot more simpler in an age where there's too much information, too much noise? How do you create something that's more meaningful and easily understood? And I think as a context to our next part of our conversation, I'd like to open it up by saying that I think, you know, in this day and age, things like storytelling, like, you know, uh, dissecting, synthesizing, and communicating complex concepts because the world is becoming more and more complex, right? But I think the ability of people uh, and specifically creatives who are looking to make a living, let's say, in this new era, is it's all going to be about your ability to actually take all this information and present it in a way that's meaningful, that's engaging, that's fun in this new imagination economy, so to speak. So I'd like to, what are your thoughts on what I just said? Does it kind of confer with your overall belief about how you see the world is going? And, uh, and uh, also, what are the skills and ways people can actually make a living in this new era going forward? I'm making a living on that. I mean, I'm, I'm a journalist, yeah. right? And so I'm living on that. I mean, uh, well, I, I write for the newspaper and so on, but um, I'm also doing some, just give you an example. I'm doing a program called, uh, that I called Story You in one word, Story yes. You. Story I want to ask you about it. That's your coaching program for companies, yes, right? Yes, it's a team coaching program that I write it's my way of doing team coaching uh, based on writing because, uh, you know, the coaching is uh, based on talking. But uh, I try to invent something new and I, I use what I'm, I know what I, how could I say, what, the writing because I know I'm a writer basically. And, um, well, the first reaction of all the people in, <laughs> in this program is, well, you know, we don't know to write, uh, you know, uh, writing uh, for in order to write, you need to have talent, you need to have uh, to be inspired and so on. And they repeat like parrots, you know, everything they, the other told them about uh, writing is it's it's learning to tell a story about yourself. And if you are able to to tell the story, your story to yourself and to the others, you, you, your life has meaning. And um, how can I say, uh, when 
what is vital to understand when you when you when you try to make somebody uh, understand the power of the writing um, when you write when you write you are not alone we think that when we are writing we just have a pen a sheet of paper and we are alone with our white paper and our pencil and where we are writing but in fact we are free and if you understand this you will be able to to write as a as a as a genuine writer i mean when you write you all, always write for somebody you you never write for the dust between the stars i mean you write for somebody if you don't think to somebody that exists you, you will imagine somebody you have a reader so you are two the writer and the reader mm-hmm. and there is a third one uh, which is the observer there is a third part of yourself looking mm-hmm. at the relationship between you as a writer and you as a reader and the the role of the observer is is it's is vital because uh this if the observer is is taking too much place in this relationship uh the relationship is it's gone it it doesn't work the in order to tell a good story you need to 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 to, to find a, a good balance between the writer the reader and the observer which are inside you in the same time mm-hmm. when you write so the observer will tell will 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 use two ways in order to to discourage you one way is the negative way she will t- he will, the observer will tell you uh no it's not valuable what you are, your writing is it's it's it, it it means nothing just stop there are thousands of books in the world you you are not able to to do it you are not good enough and so on and so on and so on negative things you know mm-hmm. and if you are listening to this uh, voice of the observer you you will stop writing mm-hmm. um, on the other hand on the other extreme he, he can use uh, a positive technique i mean he will tell you wow your your sentence is great you can add some adjectives some adverbs some more you know like little flowers in the in a sentence and uh, instead of a sentence of uh, 10 words you have a sentence of uh, 50 words and you you don't know anymore where you are in the sentence and and so on and so on and so on so the idea is to find a, a balance and i as a journalist and as a writer i can i can uh, i can make the other standards and this process how to manage the storytelling and that can give these people the ability to tell their story and they discover themselves in 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 a new light and uh, and you can make a living about it so i'm very well paid to do that i think that's fascinating also uh, and in essence the process of writing and your process of coaching through that is one where people not only get to let's say tell their story which i had alex glod over in the show last week alex glod also makes a living out of basically uh, helping people compose their story uh, in many different ways, not so much writing, but more, let's say, public speaking, also in corporations. And he does something which is fascinating, which is he helps leaders in corporations pass on stories which create cohesion in the company and the culture. 
Yeah. And I think you're doing this kind of in a similar way, but with writing. But at the same time, apart from, let's say, creating the cohesion, which storytelling brings, which what we found out in the last episode and we went in depth with Alex Glaude, which is, you know, uh, human beings have an innate desire for meaning and stories are basically the way that, you know, meaning gets assigned and, and um, can make sense of situations in such a way that it has, you know, a... Um, Let's say, um, well, it's homogeneous, it's harmonic, it's harmonious, and it makes sense. In other words, so uh, when you're now taking a person on the writing level, that let's say harmony happens not only in the story that's created, but actually the process itself of writing. Exactly, because you are in direct conversation with your inner voice, right? Who is you know critiquing you, and you have to tame that voice, get that voice on site, and at the same time. You have to, let's say, observe the truth between the different subject, object, characters in the story, right? You cannot, well, you can favor one or the other if you want to, if that's part of the story. But at the same time, to tell a good story, you have to basically allow that truth of, you know, all the perspectives involved, right? And that's a kind of a therapeutic exactly. process as well, isn't it? Is it? It is. Uh, um, I think which is interesting. I'm interested also in, in, in bringing all this in, uh, in the body, you know, uh, because w when I'm doing this program, it's not about talking about writing. It's, it's very experiential. Um, in order to understand, when I told you that there are some, this observer telling you things in your head when you are writing, you can bring this in your body. You can invent uh, things in order to, 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 to make the others feel this in their body. How, how do I do? I, I will ask you to tell a story to somebody who will listen to you, which is your reader. He don't, he don't have to put, to, to put questions, just listen to you. You will tell him your story. But behind you, there are two guys with two tubes, you know, in your ears. And they are, they are whispering in your ears another story, each one another story. So you have to tell your story to somebody who is listening to you, but in the same time, you are listening to two different stories in your ears from the others. Uh -huh. and, and it's, it's very, people realize that it's, it's, so, it's so complicated to tell your story when you, when you, while telling the story, you hear a lot of voices in your head telling you different things that has nothing to do with your story. And, uh, and, and, and then we, we share the, this experience and the, it's, it's very funny, but it's very, very deep in, in fact, because the people realize in their body that uh, it, it, it's a question of balance. How do I balance all these voices with my story? Because you cannot close uh, your mind. You cannot close it. To, you, know, you can spend years in doing yoga or I don't know what. It's very, very, very Tough, very complicated to to shut to to to, to shut off the, the 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 mind. So you are listening, you are listening, you are listening. How do you find the balance? And it's uh, it's so it's very powerful because I saw people challenging, uh, changing a lot during this process. But which isn't what is interesting is the process. In the end, you will have a story, but. Behind the story, you have the process that brings you to the story. And I think it's much more important than the story itself. Absolutely. Learning to, to find yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I think um, story and um, the different methods of expressing your story, understanding your story, expressing other stories is 
one of those ways where you can remove yourself from the process. And hence, when you remove yourself, I talk about those voices, that, that noise, let's say. That's what I mean when I say remove yourself. And I'm referring to uh, ego, which is a construct which has presumptions, which has history, which has relations, which has all those things. But all those things actually get in the way of you feeling what the truth of the moment is. And that truth of the moment actually is your authentic self and that voice that basically uh, wants to come out in the story, isn't it? So, uh, I mean, there's a couple of things there that are really interesting that I want to touch on. Uh, number one is, you know, what um, I wanted to bring the discussion towards uh, is what are the skills of the future? But I think it's no, no coincidence that you started talking about actually how do you express yourself authentically, which is, you know, another layer of the discussion that we're having currently. And I think uh, one of the skills of the future and the beauty about this era that we're currently living in, if you so choose to see it that way and you are able to respond to the to the, the situation or the trends and the technology available, is that you can construct your life in such a way that you can have that space if you want to. And here's the thing. I think one of the fundamental skills of the future is actually how can you get more in touch with your authentic voice? Because that's actually what the economy will start rewarding, right? They're in desperate need and there's a hunger and a thirst for authentic expression. There's a lot of copying. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of all these different things happening. So, you know, people, um, not only as a therapeutic process for themselves, let's say, are in need for being able to express themselves authentically, but also the market actually rewards that, right? Because it's about cutting through all that noise and the way to cut through all that noise. And, and I'm not talking only from a, let's say, if you choose to be a creative writer, if you choose to have a business, you still have to cut through all that noise, communicate with your audience and attract audience to yourself. So the way to do that actually is, you know, being more authentic, isn't it? So that's a crucial skill of the future, in fact. Indeed, uh, we are already already talking now about the, um, the attention e economy. Right. We are living in an attention economy. Why? Because uh, where you put your attention, there you put your energy. Okay. Everybody wants your attention. Google, Facebook, um, I don't know who. Everybody wants your attention because there is your energy. Yeah. And yeah. if you give your attention to these structures, these companies and so on, you give them your energy. You know, it's like in the Matrix, in the, in the movie. You are a cell, you are a battery. Mm -hmm. You just give your energy to these people. But what is attention? Yeah. Let's think about the word. At tension. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tension. At it's a tension uh, oriented to the exterior at something which is pointed to something, okay. And in fact, this attention they are looking for, this attention, is the mirror turned turned to to your exterior from your tension from inside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from intention, okay? Mm -hmm. Attention is the visible part of this energy which is inside you, which is your intention. So intention, attention, okay? Mm -hmm. So what does it mean to, to, to be connected with yourself? To be connected with yourself is to, 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 to realize, to find in yourself which is your intention. 
If you find your intention, you can control your attention. If you don't know, if you, if you are not conscious about your intention, your inside tension, you cannot manage your attention and the other will capture your attention and will take your energy. It's so, so simple as that. Uh, I, I don't know if you had the, uh, the, the, the occasion. I would say the opportunity to see somebody dying. I saw my father dying. No, I, um, I have not, not dying, uh, seen someone just passed away, but not dying, actually. Well, when, um, when we, we reach the end, we, when we realize that we will go, there is something in our eyes, it's, kind, it's this question of, you, you are talking about meaning, uh, the meaning of life. Uh, you can do anything you want in your life, but in the end, you will still have to, to answer that question. What was the meaning of all this mm -hmm. that you call your life? Mm -hmm. It sounds philosophical maybe, but uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a question nobody will escape. You can escape it a whole life, but in the end, when you are dying, and I saw that in people's eyes, you, you still have to, to answer to, to, to this question. What was the meaning of your life? And if you don't have the answer, you are not very, Certain how would I about, say? Yeah, you're not very comfortable I, you, about you, 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 you struggle, you cannot die. Yeah. You, 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 you deny the death, you, you, you refuse to, de to die. I mean, it's, you are not uh, in peace with, with the end of your life. Right. I saw also people who are in peace with their life, who, who at their level, they found the meaning in their life. And they, because they knew how to live, they knew how to die. But the people who don't know how to live, they don't know how to, to, to die as well. Yeah. So, it's it's an illusion to think that you will escape this question by uh, running up uh, after money, after cars, after anything the society uh, invites you to, to run after. So this this is really uh, this let's say philosophical question are very important because <laughs> the meaning of your life it's it's your mission here you have a life to. Do to find this meaning you know it's uh yeah I, i'll give you another example of a word from also for ancient greek uh um the scene mm -hmm. the scene you know when you look at the root of the word uh, the scene is not to, to i don't know to, to make love to to another wife and i mean yeah, it, yeah. It, it's not this kind of thing we are told about in, in the religious field. Well, it's seen in ancient Greek, it's, um, um, I, I don't know how to write it, it's amartea. Amartea, it means... Amartia, yeah. Mm -hmm. Amartea. Uh, al, uh, the first alpha, the yeah. first letter, A, ah, alpha. It's uh, what they call, the linguists called uh, um, an... Um, a privative, privative alpha. It means that it, it deny the yes, word yes. that mm -hmm. is following, mm -hmm. like typical, a typical agnostic, agnostic, and so on. Mm -hmm. And and in Martea, Martea is a verb uh, meaning that you have um, uh, how do you call it when you sh when you pull a bow. 
Yeah, yeah. When you pull a bow there, and yeah. you have to, to, to reach the target. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. You pull the bow and the 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 the, the bow is reaching uh, the target and you say Martea in, in, uh, in ancient so Greek. Amartea. Amartea, Amartea is I I I I let the, the bow flying but I don't reach the the target. Yeah. I'm So it's without uh, target. Yes. I and this bow is your life. And your life has a target. You have something to do here. Uh, you are unique. You, the person you are, the universe you represent, is unique in the history of the humankind, of the universe, of everything it, it exists. And the it sin, will never the repeat sin is, it. The sin is to miss that, actually, to miss yourself. Exactly. Hmm. The, if you are unique, it, it means you have to bring something which is only yours in this world. You have, you need to, to, to push like a flower, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and if you, if you miss this, you, you are in what you are, you are a sinful man. Mm -hmm. You, you, the sin is missing the meaning of your life. Mm -hmm. And, and I think a lot of people are living in, in this kind of sin. You know, because, uh, well, please continue. Yeah, please finish. Uh... Yeah, because well, they they don't live connected to that target, to that right. to that um, the meaning of their life. They are connected to to the stories that the others tell them since they are children. Right. I mean, you know, uh, this reminds me also of when you kind of wake up to, let's say, the matrix of this reality for lack of a better word when you finally have those experiences like we had and uh, so many people are having actually in this day and age and that kind of gives you a different perspective and it reminds me of um, i think it was uh, i don't know if it was aristotle or or whoever had that story with the people who were trapped in the cave who finally came up to see the light it's plato plato yeah, plato and they they refused because it was so bright and they didn't they, they weren't able basically to see and uh, uh, but it reminds me also of when I first, you know, started looking at uh, at the world in a different way. And I started looking at the Bible in a completely different way. I started looking at all these words in a completely different way, like you mentioned, you know, like uh, even the Quran, the Bible. And, you know, one particular reading was again about sin, which is you remind me of this, which is actually the original sin is not that, uh, you know, Eve got the, the forbidden apple. And as a result, God casted Adam and Eve out of paradise, actually. The original sin is to do with shame. And the actual, the real sin, let's say, that, uh, um, you know, we're challenged in our lives to overcome is, you know, uh, falling to feelings of shame about our true nature. And that's kind of the grand illusion because, you know, all these things that we live in. And, and that's why I talk about also why it's so important what you're putting out there. Because, you know, if what you're putting out there as a creative, as a creator in general, you know, um, um, promotes, let's say, feelings which create shame guilt towards your own body your own sexuality or your own truth in essence of you know human nature this this truth that we've we've kind of covered up and and uh, and packaged up in a certain way because it pays the bills because it drives economies because it's easier to manage right when you do that you're just propounding the problem further and further and people are are living more in sin like you say that's how i see it in as in essence so that's why you know part of my process which um you know, made me change a lot about what I'm doing with my work and specifically about the industry that I'm in is, you know, before I would, you know, very happily accept a brief from a client and use sex in, in, in advertising, even though if I knew it was a little bit, 
no, not necessarily that it's wrong. I'm not saying that it's wrong, but to do it in a way which, let's say, promotes uh, a, a viewpoint of a woman's body in a shameful way or creates shame around, you know, how people view females' body or women's bodies. Or, for example, the fact that we were promoting, let's say, sausages and saying that it was good for, for kids, which obviously it's not good for kids. You know, those kind of things, you know, I started looking in a different light and started realizing that that kind of stuff being put out there is kind of going against you know, um, the opportunity that we have, which is to be able to to see ourselves for who we truly are and the power and magnificence of who we truly are, like you said, because we're kind of like born, you know, perfect, we're born with all this power, with all this curiosity, with all this, you know, uh, self, um, um, let's say, appreciation and worth as babies and kids. And I just had a kid, so I, I can see him running around, you know, exploring the world and how beautiful that is. And then suddenly we, 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 we let all these concepts creep in and that's where shame, guilt starts to creep in. And then we end up living a, a, a very, let's say, meager and small version of ourselves in the world. And I think that's the real challenge that I think we're faced today and what technology and what this era potentially represents is for the first time in history, you know, you can step away from the matrix. You can, you know, and if you're worried about survival, that's actually what technology can, can help you with, right? You can have all these things and a lifestyle in a much easier way than it would have taken two, three hundred years ago. And what that really affords you is the ability to, to really explore yourself, to really discover yourself, to really find the meaning of your life, right? And as a result, not only will you be better and happier, but the world around you will be better and happier, right? So I, that's what I love about this conversation that we're having. And actually, some of our viewers are, are having a good time with us too. This is Stan. He says, this back and forth between spiritual beliefs and technology is driving me nuts, but in a good way. Totally unexpected. Great conversation. Again, from Stan, missing your life purpose is a sin and not even in the religious perspective. Very interesting point. And I think I've heard this before. Words of wisdom. Who else do we have? Hey, Mirel is such a colorful person and some interesting life he had. I'm truly enjoying these talks. What a great place for different ideas and knowledge. Architects of the future, indeed. Thank you. Hey, uh, Stan, if only you knew uh, Romanian, you could actually watch Mirel's show because it's probably a mirror of this show and, and, and uh, he's exploring similar topics there. So, hey, guys, do check out uh, Vin Din Vitor. If you're from Romania watching, check out, you know, Mirel's, uh, Mirel's um, uh, program. Every when is it, Mirel? If you want to tell the audience where they can catch you on uh, Yo Vin Din Vitor. Eovin Inventor is broadcasted on Radio France International each, uh, each Friday, uh, Friday at uh, 5.30 p.m. And I created a YouTube channel called I, I Come uh, in Romanian, Eovin Inventor Mirel Bran. I Come from the Future Mirel Bran. And there you can find all my show, radio shows. Great. So check it out on uh, RFI. Uh, by the way, this Friday, you're probably going to listen to my interview with you or does that come out later uh, no there is another one which is programmed but uh, i uh, i tell you i'll tell you tomorrow when we'll be programmed but uh, very very quickly okay great guys so you can check that out you can also see you know um Mirel's show which as you've seen we touch upon a lot of similar sentiments and i don't think it's any coincidence either and i think also any listeners that are probably attracted to our shows We'll probably find a lot of similar or similarities in their life paths, what they're going through, and uh, and everything that we've been talking about. So, hey, Mirel, I want to um, round up the show with um, and this interview with asking you a, a, a question, which is, you know, what advice would you give our audience members, specifically audience members who are, you know, looking for more meaning in their lives, looking to to live a more fulfilling life in this day and age? 
what what would you give in terms of advice to to these audience audience members first of all i would say that we everybody should dare to from time to time accept kind of a pain because when you have to change something there is a pain this kind of kind of a bill you have to pay um there is um, uh, um an iranian i think poet poet uh, rami rami says something like this uh, the pain is the door through through which the light enters into you and I think he, it's kind of something, something real there. Um, what I'd like to say is that what we are talking here is not just philosophy and woo. -woo. Um, I, I think in the future world, which is the present world already for some of us, um, it's very important to understand that even the corporations will have to, to change. What we are talking here is about a kind of living that is already present. I mean, more and more people uh, want to get a job not only to get a salary. They don't want to live in this kind of matrix anymore. They want to, to, to find also meaning in their job. And the, 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 what we, we are doing, uh, me, you and others, uh, it's, it's, it's like a... It's like giving them uh, a way to understand how to do it. And I think what we are talking here, it's, it's, it's very practical as well. It's not only philosophy, religion, and linguistic. It's about the, the future world. When you understand the, the future, it's kind, it's, it's kind of a light. You know, it's, it's like you have been enlightened. It's, it's, it's a mystical term, but it's kind of something like this. Well, it's a and, mystical term, but it was also the term used in Renaissance, right? Uh, exactly. Um, and they did not see that as a, as a mystical thing. It was actually a practical, you know, um, refocus on, you know, uh, values such as scientific evidence and all the values of the ancient and the knowledge of the ancient Greeks, right? And that was reintroduced, you know, around about the 16th century. So it was definitely not a mystical thing. It was a practical thing, actually. Yeah. Yes, and I think you, you're right uh, when you said that we are living now a kind of this kind of shift. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of a new Renaissance, Renaissance 2.0. Uh, and this is uh, this time is the technology that gives us the tools in order to build this new Renaissance of the of our lives and our uh, and our world. Uh, the world it, uh, everything is evolving very 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 uh, fast, and uh, in. I think in, I don't know, maybe 5, 10, 15 years, I don't know, but very fast, very quickly. I, I, I think the world will change very, very in a deep way. And uh, I, I should say to the people who are listening to us to, to dare, to dare to believe that it's possible by changing their own life in a better way to change the world, the world they are living in, to change the, the, the way their corporation is working, their job is working and so on. And these are not just questions about, uh, you know, philosophy and uh, woo <laughs> I mean, we are very practical people and we, we make a living about, uh, based on, on, on this. It's, uh, I am very confident in the future. And I, uh, the, 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 the only thing I would like the people who listen to us to, 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 to keep in mind is that you have to dare to believe it's possible. Yeah. For me, it worked. 
I am I'm a hundred percent with you, Mirel, and it was really, really beautifully put. And uh, so much of what you say resonates in exactly what my mission is, what this show is about, what how I've structured my business around. So, you know, uh, more and more people are living this. And I would also second what you just said to our audience members, which is, hey, architects of the future, if you're looking for a more meaningful, more impactful life, it's at your fingertips, right? And all you have to do, like Mirella said, is just literally believe, yeah? Dare to believe, and that's all you need to do. And changes will happen and can happen. It starts with you, and that creates a ripple effect to the people around you who see the changes in you, to the companies that you deal with. And as a practical example, as also Mirel said, but, you know, formally, and what was amazing about my, my life and how my life transformed was I am using the exact same skill sets that I was using previously in my advertising agency. But the problem was, is I was using them from the, for the wrong kind of people, meaning people who are not ready for, let's say, who I am and what I'm about, but because I didn't know who I am and what I was about back then. And all I did was refocus those same skills, and Mirel's story echoes and mirrors the same thing. I refocused those very same skills, understood the value of those skills and the value I really bring to people, and positioned that towards people who are much more open and much more willing and actually who benefit and receive much more value, perceived value, compared to my previous uh, previous clients. And as a result, I have a lot more fulfilling life. I have also a lot more freedom. And I get to do what I love most, which is you know conversations with gentlemen like yourselves, Mirel, and, and getting to share these beautiful, beautiful uh, be viewpoints about the world and also my optimism about the future. I do not believe that we're heading towards a catastrophic scenario of the world. I believe that's possible too. If enough people believe that, that will happen. But I also know that if enough people believe strongly, and I think you know belief is you know, the core of where any, let's say, uh, idea or, or practical thing comes into fruition. It's literally the seed of manifestation, right? If you believe in something enough and you focus on that enough, then the actions will follow and the world around that belief will be shaped. So if we believe enough that we can have a beautiful world, a world where we have values that we're proud to live in, that, uh, you know, we celebrate life, beauty, truth, where, you know, we're not ashamed of our bodies, we're not ashamed of our ethnicities, we don't have borders, we respect our borders, we respect our differences, but we don't have shame or anger or hate towards those things, where fear is something that, you know, motivates us instead of divides us, then that's the world that we can create. And I think, you know, people like you, Mirel, are doing a great job uh, bringing that forward, and that's what this show is about, bringing people who are, are, are believing that and are bringing that forward. So thank you very, very much, sir, for being on this show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. <laughs> Thank you. Thank very, you, very thank you for that. being part of this journey. And, and uh, you know, um, just a, a couple last things I want to say is, hey, guys, like, you know, uh, this isn't an advertisement. You know, you can look at stuff that, you know, Mirel and I do, but there's a ton of people out there who are, you know, living uh, and, and preaching and helping others do the same, which is, you know, uh, you know, you can check out Mirel's coaching page. I've shared it here on the link. And there you can also have a look at all the different things that Mirel has been up to and the different coaching programs have been up to. You can have a look at mine, which is on creativestack.eu. And there you can look at my authority sales system, which, you know, Mirel, by the way, you know, when it comes to coaching, um, I haven't quite figured out how to do it. And I've seen that you're being a bit more authentic and true to your message. But, you know, in coaching, they say, give people what they think they need 
or what they think they want, but when they're in, you give them what they really need. But that's our approach. You know, I get people in who want sales, but I know that I'm attracting people who want more purpose, more, more, more meaning, basically, and to have a more meaningful uh, existence to their life and to their business. So if you guys, you know, are looking for that, looking for answers, it's at your fingertips, really. You don't have to go to me or Mirel. Go to anyone who resonates or you resonate with and, and you know, follow the, follow the way. There's a ton of information out there on how you can have a more fulfilling life, a more free life, and you can actually, you know, um, you know, live life according to that, your, your inner voice, your inner authenticity, and, you know, just let that light shine. So I, I, I'm glad that me and you, Mirel, share that message with the world. Thank you very, very much for that. It's a real, real honor, real, real pleasure, and you've been an outstanding guest, sir. Thank you, Colleen. All right, guys. Hey, that marks another episode of Architects of the Future. Hey, we went deep. We went crazier than ever before. And like we said from the very beginning of the show, Mirel, crazy is a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> so Nice. Uh, uh, nice. And ciao. So, uh, guys, like I said, check out Mirel's shows. His YouTube page is called Vin Din Vitor for, for the Romanians. And uh, I mean, uh, I can, I'll, I'll definitely have Mirel over more often for our English viewers. Mirel, by the way, you did amazing for having your interview in English. <laughs> oh, I tried. Uh, I tried because I, I speak very well French, but I'm not very, very, very confident in, uh, in English. But uh, it's okay. It's you know, okay. when you're expressing your truth, the, the truth gets expressed one way or another. Exactly. Even if you don't there know is that. something behind the world. <laughs> hey, again, guys, thank you for tuning in. <laughs> Have a great, great evening and stay tuned for next week's episode. Next week, we're going to have another really, really exciting and special guest. Another, let's say, artist with words, but this time across different uh, mediums. He is a uh, world champion finalist in Grand Slam Poetry. He goes by the name of Jazz Opt in the music industry here in Romania, where he is actually a rapper. And he had a brief period. He has a show, actually, which is sponsored by one of the, the major cha uh, channels. And every single day on Facebook, he literally writes a, a poem about uh, and critiquing the situation of Romania in terms of politics, society. And it's just amazing how this guy puts words together. And more than that, he's also an actor. He's actually acted not only in theater in Romania, but also a number of international movies. And he's acted alongside, I believe, Woody Harrelson or the likes of those actors that come to Romania. And Romania has become quite an international hub for the, the cinema scene. And uh, he's also more than all that, someone who lives his truth fearlessly. And I mean fearlessly. There's a ferociousness to the way he expresses his truth through his poetry and through his work. And uh, I think you're going to love next week's podcast. So until next time, guys, my fellow architects of the future, my fellow architect of the future, Mirel, I'm going to see you guys 